Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. And today we are here to introduce to you two green shoots. Chloe and Adam. Mm. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, they uh, are. One of our, I think, main goals when we first started this podcast was to introduce to you guys the wonderful world of Ireland and all mm. that Ireland has to offer. Because one of the wonderful things that Ireland doesn't have to offer is people who big themselves up. We are not very good at that here in Ireland. And so we have all these amazing hidden talents and amazing places to visit and healers and all these kind of great experiences, but they're just kind of hidden gems. And so we wanted to illuminate them for you. And Two Green Shoots is definitely one of them. Mm. And when you hear the story, you will be magnetised down to West Cork and you can sort of feel in the recording even like that kind of sultry, tropical, really special West Cork air, which is the reason why they can grow so many amazing things. And Adam is this incredibly talented botanist who teaches us all about edibles. And you can check out some of the shorts from uh, on our Instagram feed that talk a little bit more about that. And we kind of tour the garden with them as well. Uh, but for now, it's time to get to know Adam and Chloe. And don't forget, while you're on, please like and subscribe. Every single one of those little bing likes and bing subscribes gives us a massive bump in potential to be able to further our work and do more for you. And if you like what we do, please, we, we really need your support, right? Yeah. And thank you to Clear Light Sauners who support us already, our mm. wonderful sponsors. If you haven't already got yourself an infrared sauna, you should check out Clear Light Sauners. Finn has one just in his background over there, <laughs> uh, which we get the benefit of using. And there are so many beautiful benefits to it that are different than regular sauna, right? Exactly. And one of the things that I use it for is because we miss out on a lot of spectrums of light in our life and specifically red light spectrum is one that happens very early in the morning at dawn, very late in the evening, uh, before the big UV spectrums uh, filter in and ultra, uh, ultraviolet light obliterates uh, a lot of the lovely benefits that are anti-inflammatory, that are gently healing, that are detoxifying. There's some fascinating benefits to mood and uh, hormonal health, all sorts of fascinating things to be discovered only when you go and dive in and get your own unit to try out. So come and talk to us if you want to clear lights on it drop us a little email to wandering into wellness at gmail.com dm us on at wandering into wellness on uh, instagram or facebook and uh, and we'll get back to you and we'll give you all of the lovely discount codes and get you to become part of the clear light family with us oh. Um, but if you want to be part of the delicious foraging, eating lovely things from your garden, staying in a lovely yurt or a beautiful garden, um, B&B style situation, listen to our podcast mm -hmm. and go check out Two Green Shoots and you could stay there this summer for a beautiful staycation or come to Ireland and visit them specially. Absolutely worth it. All right. Take care. See you later and enjoy. Bye. Bye. A kind of, you know, focused around everything all work being used um, and not sitting on shelves so Good. all all phd students would have had um businesses or different mm. industry that mm. they were working directly with to make sure that our work was was benefiting so it was on paper blooming amazing which is why i signed up yeah and then i just got a year and a half in and i i honestly was coming out in a rash i was like i just can't sit at this computer any longer mm. Uh, and uh, like <coughs> having met eventually this yeah, eventually, becker, yeah, honestly <laughs> <laughs> i it was just so so like bowled over by the muck 
and they're yeah. actually getting stuck the real in yeah. mm -hmm. soil and plants. And yeah, you, you it worked. was at a time when I just so needed that. And you worked from well, worked for me, but worked with me for yeah. a couple of months, didn't you? Yeah. No way. Yeah. So, what, at what point did you decide to come back at you? Like, what was the thing that was like, okay, and now we're moving here? And then when did the ah. idea of this then germinate? Like, how did that all happen? Um, a one bed flat in London. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, we were, get out. <laughs> yeah, we were just toiling away, weren't we? Just trying to pay yeah. rent and... Amazing jobs, yeah. like mm. our work, we absolutely loved. Yeah, I worked for jobs. an environmental community charity as a projects officer, very hands-on, mm -hmm. mm. running everything from horticultural therapy programs to fuel poverty um, projects, and Adam was managing... Well, managing Nebworth Gardens, Nebworth House Gardens, okay, yeah, right. 28 yeah. acre gardens. We yeah. loved our work, but yeah. we were both, like, in both settings, our work was dictated to us. You know, we were given we were limited, we? limited on actually yeah. how much we could kind of craft and Set create ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that we definitely had a uh, we had an allotment as a as a kind of a space <laughs> to just do our own thing, and it got weird and wonderful, and we created all sorts of yeah. tree houses for our hens. That's oh, where cool. we first yeah. started oh, building yeah. those. Uh, and those wild ducks, our pet wild ducks, used to come up. We had bees, we, we had, bees had we there. were basically trying to live yeah, the good life, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tiny little, yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's a lot, oh. and the bees got on with the hens and the ducks, and yeah. Oh, yeah. more or less, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, but do you know, it just got to a stage, so there was all of that happening, and um, my, my parents actually at the, were at the point of selling this, mm. Um, and my mum, over the course of a number of months, kept sort of seeding this idea, mm -hmm. sure, you wouldn't like to come back and I hated Ireland as a teen like, yeah I, I never thought you'd want wait. to come back so I was really a bit apprehensive but listen I don't actually know when we made the decision but we were just on a boat wow <laughs> it was a whirlwind to Ireland yeah. wow like it just happened and then we arrived on the Monday we were running our first events <laughs> for the West Cork Food Festival on the Thursday so we just hit, hit the ground running. Whoa! Um, yes. And we just haven't stopped. And when we were when you were pairing together doing those events, what were you doing, and what was the dynamic between you guys at that stage? <laughs> That's uh... not asking for romance or <laughs> No, no, no. What the no, what well, I was going to say, I was dressed as a female Viking, but that doesn't really okay. help. <laughs> 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 That was that first uh, uh, autumn because we didn't have the Halloween. garden at that stage, so we were. Oh, yeah, so it was a different event. Yeah. All of our <laughs> botanicals, we were foraging loads. We were collect, like getting out into the landscape. I mean, we are incredibly lucky that even without this garden, there are so many amazing ingredients. Um, so we were really celebrating those, and they, I mean, even down to seaweeds and. Mm. Um, but yeah, we were we were playing around with all sorts, and we wanted to do something for kids. Yeah. And we, I hate how plastic fantastic Halloween's become, mm. but I love it as a celebration. It's it's mainly because it's fun and yeah. people really play, mm. and I think mm. we need more of that. Mm. So anyway, it's it found us uh, doing a, this spooky supper, 
um, which is basically getting loads of kids round a cauldron making bread snakes. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, uh, it was like really good fun for them. Guts and, uh, like pesto guts and filling them. and Making ghouly ghosts. And, but yeah, I don't know at what point my mum came out with a blonde wig saying that Adam would be really I... good as a Viking <laughs> I just had to put it on. I don't know what was going on. That was my role, anyway. Like you can't say no to mother-in-law <laughs> saying that morning, can you? Bit of pressure. Yeah, look at yeah. it. And it was early best, days, wasn't it? You it was were out to impress. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> Whatever it yeah, it wasn't quite gardening, I must admit. I don't know how many mother-in-laws would be impressed by uh, Viking S, but yeah. anyway, that was what but was that, that's, Yeah, but that's what we started doing, wasn't it? We started yeah. doing events. I mean, we built we okay. built up a little bit of our business before we came over, didn't we? Your yeah. parents were helping promote us about coming over, and we kind of roughly had an idea, didn't we? Yeah, and we had, you know, like, uh, the great thing about horticulture is it travels. Yeah. Mm. You know, you can go anywhere in the world and you'll pick up work. And particularly, like, there's a real lack of highly skilled horticulturalists that really know when to prune, yeah, how to, to prune. Yeah, um, to identify and how it's used. So yeah. are we kind of would have started off with, like, consultancy and maintenance um and then yeah. gradually, meanwhile, we're, we're creating a space um, to and, bring people. And yeah. does this make sense to you guys if you were like yourselves at like, you know, early teenagehood or whatever? Like, did you have these thoughts about the world, like the stuff that you were saying to us at the start of the garden walk around, like, you know, seasons have disappeared or are disappearing. We have to think about our food resilience. And like, like, was that we, stuff that was apparent to you from early on? Were you kind of ahead of your game, like with your peers or? Well, I guess we were, were we not? I mean, instantly when we came here, we're like, yeah, we need to get a kitchen going, we need to get edibles. No, but when you were when you were in your teens. In my teens, oh, like, I had, you I had an allotment. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I had an you allotment. Were, yeah, you were. I was. So you were already thinking this yeah, yeah. sort of way around food security and sovereignty and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I didn't know if security was much of a thought back then, but I definitely felt a yearn to grow my own because I didn't have a job. I was saying earlier that when I left college, it was literally, you need to study when you leave school, mm. get a job straight in. Well, I didn't get a job. I studied for three years, didn't get a job. And then obviously I got into volunteering in horticulture at Triven Gardens where I met Gary Long, my mentor. And that's how I went down this road. But I did have an allotment for years before that. Mm. So in a way it was more a kind of therapeutic. Therapy, like yeah, absolutely. Uh, having an occupation at a time yeah. when you didn't have an official mm. occupation. Yeah, exactly. And I was always aware of wildlife. Like I've always been into wildlife. I remember sitting in a classroom and thinking, I just want to be outside. Yeah. Like I just want to be outside. Gazing out the window. Yeah, gazing out the window. I wasn't into all this books studying like mm. i'd read knowledge books and all that but i just didn't want to be inside yeah interesting. i think it's so natural isn't it for children i, think I have so, a son yeah. he's nearly seven he is seven just yeah. turned seven and he's like that you can just see like the natural instinct is to be continually moving and exploring mm. and, and our school system is set up to force us to sit and stay and be small yeah. and not question and all these things and yeah I think the, there's such a movie you can see that yearning all around the world with different like hedge schools and forest mm. schools and different things popping up of like that's the instinct for children yeah, yeah. to continue to move and to explore their environment that's how the, the that's brain, how the brain works. works and exactly. also not to stop doing it when you become an adult no, no exactly. <laughs> to not suddenly shut it down when you turn 18 no. and like turn serious and yeah. go yeah. up you're like what's that yeah, a suit all the time like yeah. that's yeah it's not the it's way to so be it's so interesting people come to this space <laughs> and they say this would be great for kids yeah. kids would love this yeah. and I'm like give yourself permission yeah yeah absolutely like, it's okay if you want to run around see this like <laughs> we're about to put in this glider swing and they're oh, like cool. oh the kids all the kids that come and stay they're going to go mad on that I'm like well I hope you will too yeah, yeah. you know because mm. 
it's through play that we learn and you mm. know my goodness do we need to keep learning now more yeah. than ever yeah and um, to be free yeah. in the thoughts that we have and not mm. to like go well this is the way it's been done forever or this is the way i've been told it should be yeah, done yeah. but to like anything that you're doing like swinging or climbing or changing your perspective in some kind of way allows for that freedom of like yeah. expansiveness mm. and going oh actually i could see this from a different way or like how can i be more curious about that thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. nature does that more than natural mm. spaces that aren't designed to be one thing and one thing only a bench to be sat on or a, yeah. mm. you know when it's a log it can be you know a viking ship or, or it can be you know yeah. Yeah. the top to Absolutely. throw a sheet over and make a den yeah. you know and it always it, feels bigger when you're a kid as well like these yeah. little dens you make yeah, 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 you just yeah. feel like mansions. Yeah. When you get older, there's just six chairs in a row. Yeah, there's just six chairs in a row, the branches. But yeah, it was amazing. I, yeah, I loved all of that. And so, when Still you, do. when, how did you get to this? So, where we are now, where you have the glamping and you have the edible gardens and the tours and mm. the food, like, how did it distill down into becoming this? And why? Why? It's been this? quite quick, isn't it? Yeah. Like four yeah. years in this um, Yeah, on. within four years. Yeah. I think Adam kind of alluded to it, like with the horticulture, I mean, he came to that as through a kind of therapeutic need, a need Yeah, and, I, and nature, I mean, I did come with climate change was something I was always becoming more aware of mm. through horticulture and being outside, things were changing. But, like, I always knew when, when we were thinking about a business and, and how to create that we wanted different ways in for people. Mm -hmm. So whether it's they need some therapy, they just need some time out to be, we have the accommodation and through that, they might mm. never have thought about gardens and horticulture, but they go, actually, I might, I'd quite like to join you for a tour. Or it yeah. might even just be at breakfast, we have a small conversation. Yeah. And, you know, so many of our guests and our visitors then become design clients of ours and we then go on to build and create yeah, gardens cool. for them mm -hmm. um so it's it it's both from a an experiential point of view for people meeting us and coming to our business but also from a business point of view it makes a lot of sense because everything so like what you guys are doing it mm. feeds each other yeah, yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. information feeds the then need for a product or mm. you know a food to then support that um so and it, it makes you so much more resilient you know in covid we could we weren't able to open the accommodations so the escape no. stopped mm. we were then able to um pivot or not even pivot because it was already established is take on more design clients mm. and start doing virtual design yeah. and so we're really busy at a time when if we hadn't had that, we'd have just been stuck. Our business would have been completely shut down. Mm, smart. Um, and everyone and was stuck in their own space at home, looking at their garden. Yeah. Right. It was kind oh, of I want to do something boom. with it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a boom time for us, really, on that front, which was uh, lovely to hear. I think for small mm. businesses, it's so vital. Any business, in fact, of any size, is to is to be resilient, and mm. you need that diversity. That's what makes. Yeah. That's what enables that resilience. Yeah. Being able to. Mm. And the Irish are very good at it, you know, classically yeah. wear a few different hats, mm. but um, it makes a lot of sense. And also even for ourselves as people, you know, to not be in that one box, mm. but to, to actually keep challenging yourself by forcing you to, you know, step into different roles and... Um, yeah. 
Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you speak because it's like, and we say this all the time, but it, you're speaking about people, but you're speaking about nature in the same way that you're speaking about nature when you're guiding us on the tour. It's mm. like, in order to be resilient, you need diversity. Absolutely. And that's what we need within the gardens that we're growing. It's also what we need within our gut. It's also what we need yeah. within our communities. Mm. And, and we also need, <clears throat> like when I've heard you talk about like, planting things beside each other that you know what was the thing that you read Component me last work. night the oh oh the three sisters three yeah, sisters yeah, yeah. Oh, we just I would, we're reading um robin wall kimmerer's uh braiding sweetgrass yeah i haven't heard of that though oh, but oh my so dude you're gonna love it you're gonna love it oh my god yeah. it's so yeah. good she's like a keeper of the wisdom for one of the ojibwe people i think it is but she, and she's also a microbiologist huh. and she's just this really interesting and just the each one of the chapters is like this like like metaphor for life and she's like one of them where she's like digging a pond she's talking about like letting her children go to college and being a good mother to the pond and thinking like just all these kind of meditative reflective things yeah, yeah. but the three sisters thing sorry go on yeah, yeah. so they, yeah. well you can tell it better than me but you were reading to me last night about the three sisters and how the idea that traditionally these three plants were planted alongside each other because they all grew at different speeds and they had different qualities and yeah. some had ground cover so they kept the That's water right. in and some provided the, the corn provided structure. the structure, structure that allowed the bean to grow up it and, and that the foreigners came in and they were like well what's this they don't know what they're doing they're not no. monocropping they're just like putting these random things all in together and yeah. it's all ruined but actually there's this really important yeah. thing that they each lended their qualities to each other and I think that's like what people like you guys are doing what we want to do is like to mix all those skill sets mm -hmm. in the people that we're drawing together and notice like when you put me and you together what are the ideas that we can bounce off each other and how can we enhance each other's skill sets and then the same and you can cross pollinate in that way in this beautiful diversity that rises yep. up rather than going you stay over there and I'll stay over here yep. we'll mm -hmm. all just be separate yeah yeah, yeah. the monocultures and the, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a recipe for disaster that it's a really funny thing that humans have made that recipe for disaster yep. ourselves yeah only in the last few hundred years would it be yeah like farming laws well, kind of colonialism and yeah. that mindset seems to be a kind of it's been destructive to every aspect of human kind of culture it, and nation. It, it goes way back. I mean, we, we're well, very yeah, tribal. We yeah. are really, mm. really quite tribal. But I think the the fossil fuels have enabled a scale of mm. this thinking and speed that is just colossal yeah <laughs> you know like too fast often, for us essentially like yeah, until yeah then we been, were limited mm. by our hands you know these thoughts mm. and this tribalism you know uh could only go so far but you know by digging up oil it's enabled us to just speed up everything mm -hmm. um and you know the energy behind that is just mm, and there's, there's so many interesting do you know i'm absolutely terrible at it's probably why i'm also not good in academia remembering specific stats that's me <laughs> <laughs> can remember them all and i'm like the thing about the thing that i read about yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so then you'd be corrected like oh. about <laughs> the, the amount, amount of man hours per drop of oil i mean it's, oh, it's wow. amazing mm. like it, it just is is spectacular but and mm. i've forgotten it <laughs> what you need a lot of men the amount or of women. hours yeah. that you would have to or women would yeah. have to work um for the equivalent oh, so yeah. yeah i think you know it, it it is it's relatively recently of course that mm. that's that's all come about and the only thing for me that makes me kind of well not the only thing but one of the things that gives me hope is that we still have things that exist on the earth that are man-made 
that we couldn't have done, that we can't do now, that we can't understand the technology for. So we definitely know there's the ability for human ingenuity to not have fossil fuel, to mm. still do amazing structural, you mm. know, organizational things. Who knows how we're going to find it? We haven't found it yet, but there's still there's obviously there's something we're there. We're always planning and thinking. Yeah. yeah, and whatever it is is going to come when it's needed. Yeah, yeah. I guess. And it, I mean, this is part of it, isn't it? That's yeah. that's what's beautiful we about so. this. Like, well, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what gives me hope is that we are really good at stepping up to a crisis. I mean, mm. we've seen it, you know, yeah. with the pandemic. Mm. Like, a vaccine has been developed and is out and available for anybody that wants out. it. Mm. You know, in a timeline that before COVID came along was seen as unthinkable. You know, when there's a specific problem that has to be addressed, we can, you know, right back to when there was an... Uh, uh, a um another tribe coming over the hill in attack mode mm. people would pick up their their swords mm. and needs must would go into battle yes. or would trade or whatever but we are we're really really good at dealing with crises so mm. as this becomes i think more and more real mm. as a crisis because it's been the big problem with, with climate change is that it's so intangible yeah um but i mean we're also very good at forgetting but there's so many <laughs> floods so many floods and so many wildfires and you know and even in in little ireland the droughts you know the month of rain uh, lack of rain that we had and then these unbelievable deluges mm -hmm. it is so real yeah. um that's new and it's it is having, new to us yeah and it's having a, and it's that crisis becoming real that i think it gives me yeah massive hope yeah, that yeah. people will pick up their metaphorical swords yeah. and will you know i think more and more quickly yeah, yeah, make yeah. the changes that are needed to to deal with this yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. nice guys pretty nice talking to you <laughs>